This is Speak Earth. I'm Case Bradford. Thanks for tuning in to this episode with Peyton Elroy. In the episode ahead, we discuss the blood-boiling nature of birth control, some of the better natural alternatives, the power of ritual, manifesting realities, daily affirmations, past lives, and much, much more. This podcast is brought to you by our sponsor, The Sun. No promo code needed for this one. Just walk outside, take off as many clothes as you are comfortable removing, and enjoy the sweet, sweet sun rays on your soft, supple skin. Once again, that is the sun. It's right outside, up in the sky. Just go out and be in its radiance. And without any further ado, hope you enjoy this episode ahead with Peyton Elroy. How are you? Fabulous. And yourself? Doing very well. Thank you for coming on to join me so that we can create this podcast episode. Really looking forward to connecting and learning more about your mission and, and your vision and, and how, you, how you got here. Thank you so much. Uh, as we talked about before, it's a blessing and an honor to be considered to be on your show, to share your time with your fans, your followers, and really looking forward to learning from you just as much as you are from me. That's my favorite part about podcasting, just dropping in to the flow and having a conversation and seeing how it unfolds. We both had a similar mentality going in. We didn't want to have too much structure just to see where this thing goes. And the reason why I wanted to connect with you is because you seem like someone who has really mastered the health game, or at least on the path to that and, and have been for a while. How, how long would you say you've been interested in, in health? I... Whenever I talk about this, I say seven years, 2023 would be considered seven years because 2016 was when I had that awakening or that epiphany, but I had been diagnosed with a heart condition when I was eight years old. So from then I had to be really cognizant of things I put in my body, the type of exercise I did, Uh, I had to be cognizant of what I couldn't do and I would say that that was really the catalyst, not seven years ago, but (laughs) oh my gosh, 13 years ago, if if the math is correct, would be when I was kind of forced into, hey, there's a lot of stuff going on in your body and you need to be aware of it and you need to take care of it. And so I would say then, I would say if I'm talking my own curiosity and love and passion and obsession for the health would be seven years, but my total awareness would be about 13 years. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Quite, quite some time. And has it taken many twists and turns along the way or, or have you sort of maintained a lot of the same practices? Oh yeah. It, it seems like even as I'm older and more aware of myself and what I'm doing, things can change on a weekly basis. I can have a, oh, wow, this really clicked for me. I could feel this in my body based off of what I'm doing or what I'm consuming or just having some kind of download or intuitive thought. And things can change on a weekly basis. But yeah, definitely. Even if you asked me a year ago or at the beginning of my um, voluntary health journey seven years ago. It's completely different. And you can probably relate to this whenever you get, or whenever I've gotten some kind of new epiphany or thought about how I want to be, I feel like I know everything. It's like, oh my gosh, I figured it out finally. And then something else comes around and it's like, oh, you you got a little bit more to learn about that. So, um, it's always changing and it's going to until our last day, it's going to continue to change. Yeah. That is a beautiful part of the, the unfolding. And I'd say I've been aware of the concept of, of health for around 10 years now. And it is wild, wow. especially how much, how much it's changed like over the past 10 years. And, and I, th- I remember doing what I thought was good and it ended up being kind of harmful. Um, because yes. there's a lot of mainstream advice. There's so many different opinions and, and, and tips and tricks and, and hacks and listicles out there of, of how to get healthy and, and how to get well. And it wasn't really until I learned to tune in until I actually found a good relationship with, with tapping into what we call health. Mm-hmm. Amazing. 
Do you have a drink with you by chance? I do. I have um, I have a mug. Let's cheers. <laughs> cheers. Cheers. That's a great mug. Is that an avocado? It is. I call it the Cotto Cup. Nice. What do you have in yours? <laughs> I have warm water. Excellent. Warm uh, mineral spring water. And yours? So I have um, a bit of an interesting concoction. Uh, so I had a, I brewed some coffee this morning. And then what I'll do is after I make coffee is I'll, I'll do it again. And I call it second brew. For some reason, I feel like it's wasteful to just make coffee from coffee beans once. So I'll do it again. And then I take that drink and I add cool. a, a little bit of she, she jolly, uh, she legit. And so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I've gotten there. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I just, just found out about Shilajit uh, last week. I recorded an episode with Ben, made some steaks, drank some Shilajit, recorded a podcast. And first time I had tried it, it's some powerful stuff. Wow. Ben is fantastic. I would consider him a good friend. I learned a lot about the way that our body works from a, a mineral perspective. Talk about like health revelations. Mm -hmm. That was a big one. I didn't quite realize how important mm -hmm. the mineral system was to the way our, our body mind operates. Did you do a scan? I think it's called Oblio scan. No, I, I didn't. Have you done one of those? <laughs> it's a, oh man. It's a test that can measure the vitamins and minerals and their levels in your body through just scanning your hand. He did that on me last summer. And it, you feel nothing and it's a quick little scan and then you see all the results, they come up and it is very fascinating. I don't know the science or the technology behind it and I'm sure he explained it at the time, but if you have the chance to next time, next time you see him, ask about it. I'll, I'll have to ask. I, I did see that he offers that and I had half a mind to check it out. Um, I'd done some tests in the past like, this is going to be a little bit gross, but I do remember testing my microbiome, which involved a stool sample, and I've tested <laughs> tested cool. my blood. And I was like really into testing for a while to like see what was going on in my body with these lab work, you know, methods. And I'm not sure if it it was helpful or, or harmful. Did did you have good takeaways from from the um, Uglio scan, or was it? Yeah, absolutely. I actually felt more validated because I took a blood test probably a month or two prior to test my heavy metals, actually, or I don't want to say my heavy metals. I don't want to claim that I have any to test heavy metals. And the some of the results were decent, fine. Some of them were off the charts and not in my favor. But when I took the Oglio scan, they were normal. So I was like, hmm. And Ben had told me that, oh man, he explained the different science once again and was essentially validating that, oh, the blood test says your mercury is higher, but this says it's not. So that means that it's not actually in your cells the way it is in the blood or something like that. So I felt, oh, wow, okay, this is great. I want to listen to these results, <laughs> which I don't know what the true answer is when it comes to what the levels are compared comparatively from the blood to the scan, but I would say it was great. And it was new technology and knowledge, so it's always nice to utilize that information. Yeah, yeah it is good to tap in some of these, these new methods to assess our health, especially with the level of toxicity we're experiencing every day, whether it's from the air and, and the water and the food, there's so many microplastics and, and heavy metals in almost everything these days. It's wild. Yeah, it is. I My friend actually sent me a meme overnight about how our grandparents had to worry about lead. Our parents had to worry about asbestos. And we have to now worry about the microplastics. So it's like every generation has its worry. Yeah. Yeah. And then that's on top of the 
things that are called, quote, healthy. I think a great example of something that comes to mind that I know you are up to speed on is, is something like birth control that is, is handed out to everyone as something that's, you know, a good thing to do, something a way that something that can supposedly be, you know, an upgrade to life, but may have some consequences uh, downstream that aren't really readily apparent. Absolutely. It, birth control is, is one of the topics that boils my blood. I don't consider myself to be an angry or aggressive person in any regard, but certain topics in relation to health and women's health, like birth control, really light that fire inside of me. Like, ah. <laughs> Yeah, it's infuriating. I, I watched a documentary about it. Um, the business of birth control that went into some of the details about how people are dying. And, and there's this long list of side effects that are caused by this thing that's called the birth control pill that in reality sort of blocks hormones. I'm sure you can explain it much better than, than me, but it seems to be, I, I'm not, it's, it's crazy how it's presented as a way to empower women, but it seems like it's cutting women off from their source of power. Is that an accurate assessment? Oh, 100%. I've talked about this online. And it's sad because I don't think every doctor or every person who has started a birth control company or created a product has 100% been of the intent to harm. I And that's what I think about most things that we are now finding are not so good for us like cleaning products or toothpaste or anything, I'm sure at some point in time there was someone or a small group of people who caught wind of knowledge and used it to manipulate people. Like I'm sure that has definitely happened, but the original intent for something like birth control, I don't think was harmful, but we didn't know what could happen. Just like with anything, you have to dive in before you can actually know what the experience is going to be. So it was definitely an experiment which was meant to empower women, right? Oh my gosh, if you don't want to have kids or you still want to participate in activities and be sexual with your partner, but you don't want to run the risk of getting pregnant, this can empower you to to have some kind of control in your life. And that's where I think the, the notion of being empowered through birth control came from which is valid in a regard. But when we found what the birth control has actually done to women and have seen how the repercussions are a lot higher than the benefits, then we can see, okay, it's not total empowerment, actually. That's, that was only a fraction of the, the reason that this came about. But now it's, it's not that. It's actually through so much harm that has been done through the usage of it, it's, it's real, real disempowerment. What is the next best alternative for women who do want the best of both worlds in a way? They want to be empowered by not having a child when they don't want it, and then also having the hormonal balance. It's, there are several methods that women can use to not get pregnant. And the simplest, most obvious one is for actually the man to not ejaculate, right? Because yeah, <laughs> that's, that's what happens when you, when you get pregnant. You need that necessary component, obviously. So it's as simple as using the pulling out method. And I remember one of the first times I ever tweeted about how we don't need birth control and there are ways to have sex without getting pregnant. Someone had messaged me, oh my gosh, like they were dumbfounded, like, whoa, like, what do you mean? Like, how can I do this? And, you know, me being on this side of having knowledge and also experience and knowing a lot about these things, I was just like, you kind of have to pause because it's really bewildering to know that what you think is common knowledge and common sense actually isn't so common and is not very well known by other people. So I was actually kind of taken aback in myself 
seeing that like, wow, someone is at, is shocked that the simple pull out method is something that is real and is tried and true and exists for a reason. Everyone has free will in any moments, right? So that's the simplest one. But then I've had a lot of girls say, oh, but maybe the sex isn't going to be as good if he pulls out. Well, the consequence, quote, air quotes for anyone listening to audio, the consequence of this is getting pregnant, right? Sex is for procreation at the very base level. So us being more evolved humans, not having a brain that is only focused on procreation at this point, we have knowledge and tools and methods of working around certain things. So yeah, the sex might be different, but it can still be extremely enjoyable using the pullout method. And it's also way more beneficial for the men in terms of semen retention, right? So it's a win-win on both sides. You just have to practice and you have to really see that there are a lot of benefits to using these methods and to not being so down on, oh my gosh, this is the only way that it can be good. Because that's simply not the truth. But people don't know because they haven't tried because they haven't been made aware of these things, which I think you and I might think are very common sense, but they don't tell you that, right? Just like why you brought up birth control, because they, they give you their alternative. And then you become sick and you become dependent on their alternative, which in some ways is the, what would the word be? The intentional manipulation. Yeah. Yeah, it is in a lot of ways. There's this whole industry called the pharmaceutical industry and their business model is. (laughs) I've never heard of that. What is that? Well, I'm not, not so sure it's it's uh, in our favor at, at this point but it seems like what they're doing is providing conveniences for biological ailments that could be resolved through natural methods that may take a little bit longer uh, might be a little more involved and they're providing more convenient solutions that seem to have side effects and mm-hmm. also seem to be highly profitable i don't know they're raking it in it seems like they're making wow. trillions of dollars unfortunately but the, the good news is for anyone who's currently using pharmaceuticals or knows someone who's using pharmaceuticals, I don't think anyone's happy using these things. No one enjoys masking symptoms or having to pay for another prescription or having to pick up drugs from a pharmacy. There are alternatives. There are alternatives for pretty much everything and they work better yeah. almost every single time, at least that I'm aware of. And I'm sure there's some necessity for this industry in, in certain areas, but I think as we evolve as a society, we're moving in the other direction where we're finding these much better natural solutions that work more effectively long-term and in the moment. And it's not going to leave a consequence on the body like many of these pills and potions that are offered by pharma seem to be doing. Absolutely. There's also cycle tracking, which is going to be huge this year. It's already being talked about quite a bit and we're all, we're only in January 11th, but there's ways to, if you really don't want to use the pull-out method because you can't have sex any other way in your mind, there's, if you track your cycle and I don't recommend, oh my gosh, I'm going to start tracking my cycle today. And, you know, this is something that I recommend girls spend about three months doing prior to having sex based off of their cycle or allowing the man to ejaculate based off of her cycle, you have to know your cycle kind of down to a T. Not fully, but pretty close to that. Even someone like me who is really well versed in these things from personal experience and research, my cycle, I feel I don't know 100% to a T. And maybe that's because I have really high standards for what that knowing is, which that would be the case. I do have high standards for it, but you got to know what you're doing because one slip up can in this case, because of the action that we're talking about, 
lead to something that is really significant and can completely alter your life, right? So, but let's say you've been tracking your cycle, you have a pretty good idea of when your period is coming every month, when your ovulation window is, and how your body reacts to these things that are happening. You can have sex the way that you want to and not get pregnant, most likely. I don't think this stuff is 100% foolproof. And I'm sure you've seen a lot of tweets where people are like, why aren't they saying that you can only get pregnant six days of the month? Like, why aren't they telling women this? Well, one, because of the intentional manipulation. So women are more out of tune with their bodies and more dependent on an outside pill, potion, as you said, or source like doctors. My personal belief is that the six-day claim is pretty true, but it's not 100% true. So even then, I wouldn't 100, 100, 100% rely on having sex, thinking only six days out of this month I can get pregnant. Like, yeah, you can definitely be confident in knowing that every single day of the month, you're most likely not going to get pregnant, but you really got to be in tune with these things once again, because you can use condoms, right? A lot of people don't want to use condoms. It feels different. They're putting plastic or silicone in their body. I get it. But it is an alternative to having a child, right? There's give and take with these things. There is the pullout method or there is semen retention or there is both at the same time, right? And then there is using cycle tracking, which I kind of just relayed. And for every woman, it's going to be a little bit different. The entire cycle does have a general theme that, okay, every woman is going to have an ovulation window. Every woman is going to have a follicular phase and luteal phase, but the days will be different. So mine is not going to look the same as my friend or someone who's reading my content online, right? So you have to really, really be in tune with how your cycle is and how your body is. But there, there are several things that we can do, just as you mentioned, that there are alternatives to these things that people are experiencing. Beautiful. Thank you for laying that out. I can relay one example. My girlfriend, Fiona, she was on birth control for, I think, a, a decade before she learned, oh my gosh, this is causing wow. problems and yeah. I need to get off it. It was a night and day difference in her digestion primarily, that was the biggest thing. There were other benefits, but that was massive. If you have under, any understanding of, of how impactful the digestion is to the rest of the health of the body mind, it, it's key. It's mm-hmm. how we yeah. turn food in, into energy. And that was amazing. It was, it was a radical change. And now there's this new sense of self that I've seen come online through, through that process. It seems to be linked with experiencing the cycle, like you mentioned, which yeah. from what I understand, birth control sort of blunts or blocks that cycle. Is is that true? Yeah, different birth controls have different reasons of usage, if that is a correct way to say it. But some birth controls will alter the cycle pretty much entirely. Some only have a singular focus. There's so many different types out there. I, I didn't even realize And that's just talking about pills alone. There's also IUDs, which are insertions that go inside of the uterus, which affect things differently too. But yeah, the one that she was on, and also depending on how long a woman has been on this, can really change her on a physical, mental, emotional, spiritual, and cellular level. It is insane. Yeah, it's really on voices like yours to be able to amplify this message too, because it's not a mainstream message. It's really underground. It's not readily apparent. It's certainly nothing that these, these companies are are saying maybe in in fine print buried on like page 75 of some pamphlet. Oh yeah. And it's not, that is actual reality. It's not even a joke. (laughs) It is. Oh my gosh. It's mind boggling. It is. It is. So, so that's been something that's a big focus for you. Cycle tracking, you know, is going to be big this year and, and you share a lot of information about that. What, what are some other aspects yeah. of, of health or women's health in particular that you're, you're jazzed on? 
before I go into that, I want to say congrats to your girlfriend because that is a huge, huge milestone. And I think maybe some girls don't conceptualize, oh, yeah, like I just got off birth control. No, you just changed your life, my friend. That is fantastic. So congrats to her. Really happy for her and you too, because you get to experience her in a new way based off of that decision. Uh, what am I jazzed about? Oh my gosh, that is my mom's word. I've never heard anyone else use that in just common uh, language. <laughs> what am I jazzed about? What? Sorry, did you say in, in women's health or just in general? Yeah, health, women's health, or, or just in general, if, if something else is, is coming to mind. I was really inspired by a girl that I follow on Twitter and shout out to her if she's listening. I think the at is Jessica Genetics. She has a fabulous account. It's a lot more in-depth science-based than mine is. Hers actually talks about the molecular and chemical processes that are happening through whatever she happens to be talking about digestion. But she put out a sub stack that was talking about how to know the quality of an egg during ovulation. And wow, that was fun to read. Genuinely, I was like, this is just reading when she had tweeted about it, just reading her little blurb about what it was. I was like, that is so cool. And when I first got into my health obsession journey about seven years ago, as we talked about, I was not thinking about health in terms of my cycle or reproductive health. I was just thinking about overall health, like how can I clear my skin up? How can I have more energy throughout the day? Right. But then as I've gotten older and have just had more of the probably biological urge to be a mom, right? And to also through health become uh, more vital and I think probably more fertile being, right? Because when you become healthier, you become more fertile. Um, I've just gotten really excited about women's health. And so anyway, I was really inspired by her thread or by her Substack because over the last couple of months, I've personally been tracking my ovulation really closely. And I track my whole cycle pretty much down to a T every single day. I will write out on the notepad in my phone what I had, like what I ate, in what order, what supplements I took, how was I feeling, just random blurbs. I felt more emotional today. How many times I <laughs> pooped? Yeah, let's talk about it. It's real. Um, I'll talk about if I had any kind of different feeling in my body, if I'm sore from the gym, I really get detailed because these things matter, right? But when it comes to ovulation, I saw a video at some point last year that was saying that it's possible to, to physically feel when your egg is making its way down the uterus to be implanted or to be fertilized. And I was like, what? I want to know how to do that. But it's not even knowing how to do it. It's just being aware because guess what? It's happening every single month if you're not in birth control. If you're having a cycle, that is happening. It's just a matter of becoming aware and feeling, oh, what does that feel like? when it's happening. And it just happens in one moment of your cycle, not in one day, not in an hour. It's seriously just a, a physical like, oh, it's 1136 right now. Oh my gosh, I can feel it. I have been able to physically feel that. And that's just so amazing. So I've been really interested, jazzed in your term about ovulation and the physical egg and just learning about it and what it means to be aware of it. Because that's all I can do right now until I actually have a child. All I can do is see how my body is utilizing one egg every month. So maybe after I have a kid, then, you know, I'll have a, another thing I'm jazzed about when it comes to that. But 
just the physical egg during ovulation. That's been really fun to to learn about. That is amazing. And now now I'm jazzed on it. <laughs> it's like Yeah. Is, well, I'm sure your girlfriend will listen to this, she can learn. It's yeah, that that's absolutely so this, these are the kind of things where it would almost be our, our birthright in, in past times where we'd have all these much deeper connections with, with our body and our mind and our, our flow of life and aging. We'd much more sort of connected with a deeper sense of reality as opposed to sort of blunting or, or pushing things away. And I was thinking about just the, the concept of, of women's health is, is so foreign, I think, to a lot of us, men especially, because health as a thought process as a method as a model is almost all based on science that was done on men so almost all of what we know yeah. as you know something to do with health is like is essentially based on men and it, there's there are dramatic differences between a man's body and, and a woman's body is obviously an egg is a, a big one i think women are born with like all the eggs they'll ever have right and then they <laughs> they come down every month yeah it's wild yeah that it is and you might have heard that within every woman is her grandchildren have you heard that no that's wild oh well yeah because think about it if every girl is born with all the eggs she's gonna have so me i was born being a female with all the eggs i'm gonna have i came out of my mom right and so if my eggs are gonna be my kids then that means that my mom grandma one day is carrying grandchildren right wow yeah. Thinking about it like that really sort of reframes the entire situation. You've got this yep. lineage within you that stretches way far back and way far forward. Absolutely. And women who end up only having boys, okay, maybe they're not caring. I don't, you know, I don't know how it works in that regard, but being a girl, every girl alive can know for sure she existed within her grandmother in some way, right? In some way that might not have been able to be seen very well. Um, and that's where generational trauma, that topic can be brought in as well. Because if, if I'm carrying my future grandchildren, all of the things that I'm experiencing on an emotional, spiritual level are going to be passed to them because of, of just my own experience, right? Things that we experience become our DNA. Epigenetics, I don't know if you've heard of it, but we can change our genes and our genetics based off of what we experience in our day-to-day -day lives throughout a singular life cycle. So it puts a lot into perspective. And I think especially for women, we have a huge responsibility to really take care of ourselves because humanity on a very literal level depends on what we do with ourselves. That's deep and deep and powerful and, and so true. It's one of the, really the biggest fundamental problem we face as a society. You know, there's a lot of them if you look out or, or look into, you know, the window that we call our smartphone, it, we're just flooded with problems and, and our minds were never meant to wrap around a global, you know, scale of mm -hmm. issues and, and headlines and problems. But if we really boil it down to a fundamental level, we've got our own health and vitality and, and those of our, our friends and family and, and loved ones. And if we, I believe that if we take care of that, if we bring that up to a good level, a lot of these other problems can can be solved. They can be remediated, but we've got to first start with the health of ourselves and, and those of our friends and family. Absolutely. How does this play out for you in the day-to-day -day life of Peyton Elray? Are you coaching people on health, creating content online? What, what does it look like day-to-day? -day? I am absolutely creating content. Right now, I'm in a, a really deep learning cycle, I would say, or learning phase. And I've, I have been for my whole health journey. That's at least half of the battle. It's experimentation and research, right? But for the last couple of weeks, I've just been extremely zoned in with learning and also picking things up that I kind of started and did not finish 
last year in terms of content. So day to day, I'm definitely creating content in terms of infographics or tweets. (laughs) I would say a lot of my health stuff is more geared towards Twitter right now. I'm in charge of a health class in something called GG33 Academy. So that's pretty new for me. Coaching, I haven't done seriously since about May. That was when I had my last client who I I really went all in on. And this is this has been something that I'm refocusing on and looking to reopen for this year. I want to have a different structure with how I do it. I want to be completely dialed in. And the way that I like to coach, I can't give a generalized summary to someone. I really have to take on pretty much everything because health is not a singular, like there's no single part of health that can really be fixed without looking at the entire picture. And I'm sure you're aware of this, right? If someone has digestive problems, that can come from a variety of things. And personally, I think half of our problems, half of the problems that we can face, I don't want to say our problems, half of the problems that are potentialities come from how we feel, just emotionally. A lot of dis-ease is just a manifestation of how negative we are feeling about something. And that something is often ourselves in some way. So it's very difficult for me to have someone come to me for maybe a multitude of health reasons and to just be like, hey, take L-glutamine. Hey, do this. I got to understand, how have you been feeling? How was your childhood? Are you in a relationship? What's going on with that? I got to know so many angles because all of it is relevant to what you're going through on a physical level. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. And this is the essence of, of holistic health, looking at the the full picture. Yeah. How much are you going out into the sunshine? How often do you have your bare feet on the earth? What's the air like that you're breathing, the water like that you're drinking, the thoughts like that you're thinking? Every single little piece of health and life plays into this energetic crystalline mineral structure that we call the human body and it's wild to think that it's so often boiled down to fitness and nutrition what are you eating and what are you doing to work out it's that's such a small piece of the puzzle i believe i mean okay those are those are foundational you know along with like sleep and relationships but there's there's a lot to it It, it's an expansive sort of challenge to be to be integrated 100 percent I was in a, on a Twitter space and, excuse me, for anyone who doesn't know what that is, whoops, let me get some water. <laughs> it's a, a live chat, so you can go into a room and there'll be people talking. So I was speaking, essentially co-hosting a room, and I was there to talk health, right? Hey, anyone who has a question, come on up. What do you got for me? And this girl was like, hey, thank you so much. So I, I want to know about digestion. How can I fix my gut? How can I fix my period? And she asked one other thing. And I was like, whoa, like that just, I think from her, she thinks, oh, yeah, it's just two or three things right now. That, in my mind, it was like all that meme where there's like that guy trying to figure out all the lines that are everywhere on the board. I was just like, whoa, that was a lot. Um, And I wish that I could give people a singular answer for what they need. And hey, sometimes there is a singular answer for, yeah, man, you just need to get more sun. Like that would probably solve so much of your problems, right? But there's a lot to it. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. Do you believe in past lives? Do you think we've lived other other lifetimes before this one? Absolutely. Love that question. I 100% believe that. Do you think, do you have some sort of 
idea or, or intuition as to what some of your past lives were? Oh, yeah. And we have a lot of them. And I don't have all of the answers to all of this, right? But I've read a lot of books. Highly recommend anyone listening to this to get into Dolores Cannon. She is an author. If you are interested at all in past lives, you'll be pretty blown away. Side note, you have to be pretty open-minded for this stuff because it, it can definitely challenge a lot of the mainstream beliefs that exist today. So yes, we have, from my understanding, lived many, many, many hundreds of lives. It's not three, it's not seven, it's a lot. And that is because apparently not every life is lived on earth. And then if you are someone who doesn't believe in space, well then, okay, this is a completely different conversation because there are some people who believe space isn't real. And hey, I think it's a valid thought. <laughs> like, hey, maybe it's not. But as of now, for me personally, I'm under the impression that space exists in some shape or form. So it's possible to live somewhere or to have lived somewhere at some point in time that is not Earth. So, yes, uh, I believe in past lives. I have an intuition or understanding of what some of them have been. One, from personal feelings. And two, from my medium, actually. I have a medium who has abilities to go into past lives. So, I'm, this, this is a topic I am very, very passionate about and would love to take on as some kind of career path at some point in time. I definitely want to, am going to, let me scratch that, not want to, am going to develop my skills and abilities in order to do this for myself, go into past lives on my own, but got a lot of other health things that I'm focused on right now. What about you? Do you have, I'm assuming you believe in it. And if I'm wrong, correct me. I'm not sure what to make. You know, I'm not sure why that question popped to mind, but I, I've always had this weird sort of connection with like Japanese culture, even though I've never been there. And I just oh. I don't know how to explain that. Right. But I think we all sort of have these, you know, connections with other places and other times. I see some people who are like really in the medieval stuff, you know, and it's like, why, you know, mm -hmm. you, maybe you are, it, it just seems like a very cool concept. There's in my mind's, life does seem like it's part of a loop part of an infinite rhythm where we're experiencing life and then death it's our, our life death just sort of repeats almost like a dream you go to sleep mm -hmm. you have a crazy dream it's this wild adventure then you wake up and you know tomorrow you, you do the same thing again and it, it really seems like that's what this is it, it seems very dreamlike to me it sort of always has and it makes a lot of sense to think that we've had previous dreams before this this dream so yeah it's <laughs> interesting to think about amazing well i if i were you it seems that you are interested and you have some kind of inclination towards it but you're not fully sure so if that was me i would be like okay i'm gonna look more into this so i can either prove or disprove my own feeling but i think what you will find is that it is real and there are as you said, people who have interests that pretty much don't align with the life that they've lived up to this point, right? You don't have Japanese family. You've never been to Japan. Is that correct? Correct, yeah. Yeah, okay. So exactly. A lot of people are drawn to certain things that they've always been involved with or were involved with at a point in time that wasn't in this life cycle. That is my understanding of it. I, I have that, but with Spain, I have been so drawn to Spain for years and years and years. And why? I have, I'm completely European white. I would have just said white, but I've, <laughs> yeah. Anyway, uh, I don't have any Spanish family members. I've never been to Spain. <clears throat> There's just has been nothing in my life that has ever equated to the thought of Spain. 
other than me feeling like, oh my gosh, I need to go there. Oh my gosh. I love it. I, I love something about it. And I got a, what's called a past life regression reading from my medium. And my medium is, is a world renowned person. She is not you're driving down the street and there's a palm in the window and it says $5 psychic reading. That's, that's <laughs> not who this person is. She is one of, if not the best of the best that exists at this profession. So she took me through a reading and blank slate, right? I go in, I don't tell her anything. And the information that she can share is just incredibly mind-blowing. It's it's not anything that you can Google search. It's not. And there's things that she has told me that are thoughts that I've had and have never told anybody. She's like, oh yeah, you've thought about this or, but anyway, in, in the past life regression specifically, because I've, I've done many different types of readings with her, she grabs a spirit guide. So all of us have a spirit guide or most or multiple spirit guides. And she grabbed one. And again, I, I just got the session. I booked it. I didn't say, Hey, I wanted, I like Spain. I want to go here. Anything. No, I just said, good morning. Yeah, let's get into it. I'm a complete open book. So she grabbed a spirit guide and guess what? He is a Spanish man. And he's from like 1400s, 1500s, dressed in like a onesie outfit with a hat, velvet clothes. Just when you think of like a Spanish conquistador, that is how he was dressed. This is who this guy was. So right off the bat, she's like, I, I'm connecting to one of your spirit guides and he's in Spain. And I'm just, inside, I'm like, okay, cool. But I'm not going to tell her, right? Because... Even though I've been going to her for a long time, when I do these sessions, I don't want to give information away because I I want to receive what's coming, right? I don't like if she is doing her job, she is going to she's going to give me what I'm here to receive, right? I'm not going to tell her, "Oh yeah, I thought I lived a past life in Spain." No, you tell me that, right? So, anyway, First life she goes into, she grabs one spirit guide. He happens to be Spanish. Okay, that's amazing. And she says, in this lifetime, you are a Latin woman living in Spain. Wow, really? And then my face just lights up. And I was like, oh my gosh, no way. And she's, you know, continuing on with the reading and telling me details about there was this bowl that your family had, there was a family fire, and, you know, just going into the lifetime, just themes from the lifetime, and my face is just lit up, like, oh my gosh, this is so cool, and she has her eyes closed most of the time, because that's how she's able to see in her mind's eye what's going on. She opens her eyes, and she's like, everything good, you know, you're looking kind of excited, and I'm you know, to be honest, I've always been extremely drawn to Spain. Obviously, I'm not Spanish. I have no ties to Spain. Yet this is really confirming why I would feel that way because I could just feel when she was telling me what's going on, I can just feel that inside of me. And even through that that one lifetime in Spain that we talked about, we talked about several others, but I've always had this irrational fear in, in this lifetime, right, of my of my house catching on fire. I've just always had that fear. Why? I don't know. My house has never caught on fire. I've never had a friend's house catch on fire, nothing. But in that lifetime, our, fa our family, it was my uncle's house caught on fire. It was extremely devastating. It was devastating for the town because we lived in a small town. And even that theme in that lifetime <clears throat> completely correlated to something that I felt in this lifetime that I have no direct kind of reason for. Does that make sense? It does. Absolutely. 
I think we all have these unexplainable visions or feelings or resonances and at a very deep level. And there's no denying them, really. We've got to embrace these things and, and integrate them into our life the, the best that we can. And I love that story because it is very different from from the everyday experience. <laughs> Meeting with someone and they have their eyes closed and they're telling, telling you about something that you're experiencing. It's it's beautiful and awesome. And I, I love all, the, all this kind of stuff. Even we can look at if we shift this sort of modality around and point it towards the future away from the past then we get into things like creativity and manifestation this idea that we have some relationship with the time space continuum with, with the multiverse we're able to co-create with mm -hmm. whatever all this is and, and form the life that we want to live do you subscribe to that sort of belief and, and do you have practices around creativity manifestation anything in that realm Oh, absolutely. Manifesting is something I feel like I'm doing constantly throughout the day. Even just me correcting myself on this podcast by changing a simple word is a form of manifesting the reality that I wish to or expect to be in. So instead of saying our problems, like I corrected myself before, if I say our problems, that means that you and I have a problem or multiple problems. And that is a manifestation that is saying this is going to happen because I just said that is our state of being, right? So just in any moment, if I correct myself and use better terminology for what I'm trying to explain, it can change the course of how this moment or my day can go because your mind creates your reality. So if I say, I'm sick, the body doesn't know if you're joking or not or being sarcastic or not. So the body thinks, oh, this is what I am. So guess what it's going to do? It's going to be sick. So in any moment, language is a manifestation in itself. So yeah, if I just correct myself, that is one form of manifestation, but also, at the beginning and end of every day, I will start my morning with my something I call a silly drink, which is a warm, nearly hot water with psyllium husk, but I call it silly husk, lemon juice or lime juice and sea salt. So I'll have that. And then I, if I don't do my beach run, which is usually where I'll go and I'll manifest how my day is going to go. I will put my hands in water in the sink and I will talk to myself eye to eye in the mirror and say, this is literally what I start off with. Today is a happy, healthy, positive day. And then I will just go into literally what's ever on my heart. But I will say something like, I'm grateful that I'm going to have perfect digestion today or I'm grateful that I have perfect digestion I'm grateful that my podcast with Case is going to be fantastic. The conversation is going to flow easily. We're going to have so much fun discussing new things. I'll talk about how I physically expect to look. My hair looks beautiful. My eyes are wide and vibrant. I'll go into specific detail about just anything on my body. I have soft skin. My nails are strong. I don't care how long it takes too, but it usually doesn't take that long, but it's really just whatever's on my heart, but I will absolutely manifest or put energy out for what I expect the day to look like, whether it's externally or internally or physically for me. And then at the end of the day, I will do the same thing. Maybe I'm in the shower, taking a bath or just laying in bed, whatever it is, I'll say, Thank you for my health. First thing I always say, thank you for protecting me. Thank you for keeping me safe. And then I'll say whatever again is on my heart. Um, I'm grateful that whatever happened during my day. And then I'll always say, I'm going to sleep well through the night. I'm going to have sweet dreams. I'm going to wake up energized and excited for the day. And I'm this is my literal script. So I've been doing this for a couple years now. I'm going to be warm, cozy, comfortable. I'm going to wake up hungry. I'm going to wake up lean. 
I'm going to wake up whatever way, but usually hungry, lean, and not retaining any water are some of the things that I manifest. And that is just how my life is. I'm just constantly programming my mind to make my day be what I want it to be. So that's, that's just one thing that I do, just talking to myself. And then there's journaling. And you can even do journaling and burning if you want to manifest endings in your life. You know, there, there's multiple things you can do, but I'm, I'm constantly, seriously, constantly curating my reality. And it, it has taken me a while to get to this place. And maybe to anyone listening, maybe to you. This sounds like a lot oh my gosh, that's like way too much to keep track of. That's way too much to focus on. It's when it becomes second nature, I'm not even, I'm not thinking, oh my gosh, how long am I spending man? No, it's just, it's me at this point. So I don't, I don't give any negative mental energy towards how long it's taking or if it's too much. It just, it works for me. It literally works for me. I have the reality that I want and I encourage other people to, take on some form of the same if they're interested. Wow. Mind blown. (laughs) Just went into the whole whole routine, laid out the blueprint. Anyone listening is going to have to go back, take notes, start (laughs) implementing each of these at the beginning and the end of the day, because that sounds like really powerful stuff, even just from the standpoint of the gratitude at the end of the day. If I were to pick out one little piece, just to be able to be grateful and express that energy form every single day at the end of the day grateful for what you're doing and at the beginning of the day setting setting your intention like how how powerful is that to, to form these habits around these ideas to create the life that you want to live and it seems like it's working pretty well for you so far like like you said it you're not doing it because it's pointless or just like silly yeah like a silly drink it's like it's got value this thing that you're doing every day and it's building, it's building, it's compounding, it's creating the life that you want. Absolutely. Everything you do in your life is a ritual and it's it's giving, putting a spell, this is air quotes for anyone listening, on your day in your life. So everything you think about is going to manifest physically. So if you can program your mind, and it, when I say program, sorry, I need more water. <laughs> When I say program, it's not, oh my gosh, I have to like rewire my brain in some ways. Yeah, but it's not this process that is so difficult to understand. It's literally as simple as what I said. Look in the mirror and say, my hair is so long and beautiful and shiny. That's something I'll say. And if in that singular moment, it's not like that, the more you compound, as you said, compound, do these things every single day, and obviously put energy towards taking care of yourself, you're, you have no choice but to experience that reality at some point. Yeah. Yeah, it's true. And it almost seems to me with many of these practices, it, it makes it easier, especially starting out to sort of switch because you've made the small commitment. You've made the small commitment to saying it, and then you want to hold true to yourself. You want to make that mm-hmm. come true. It, it's not I think a lot of people confuse these sort of ideas, manifestation, forget about the language. You're not just, you know, snapping your fingers and making change. It's, it's a way to be able to hold a commitment to your highest value, which is very difficult, especially in today's modern world. We have so many distractions that are moving us away from our true and authentic path, the way that we want to show up in the world, the life that we want to create. Having these rituals are such an amazing and powerful way to ensure that we maintain towards our, our highest calling and i really appreciate you sharing sharing that and, and everything else that we've talked about through this conversation I, i've really enjoyed it and is there anything else that you'd like to to leave anyone listening with <laughs> um i want to say that we should think about seriously think about your life as a ritual don't think about it as a routine even though it is technically the same thing A ritual has more of a personalized and sacred experience, energy, and expression than routine because routine sounds mundane, it sounds robotic, and it sounds like I have to. 
a ritual is I get to curate this thing, this way of being, this thought process, this life in any way that I want. And I get to create my reality based off of that ritual. So it's really, really important to, if you're going to walk away from this conversation, I hope you feel that you have the tools to do whatever it is you want to do in life, but you have to first believe it. You have to believe that in some way, shape, or form, it can happen. And then you take small steps to doing it. But romanticize the way in which you do it. And having these simple things that you do daily, or maybe it's not every day. Don't hit yourself over the head because it's not every day. But if it's most of the time, your reality is going to be set off of what you are doing. So might as well romanticize it. Might as well call it a ritual or something that is not as rigid as a routine and enjoy it. And have fun with it. It's so cliche to say have fun, but it's true. Just... (laughs) You have plenty of tools. You got Case here, has fabulous content online, fabulous podcasts, fabulous social media accounts. Learn a lot from him. And um, you're doing well if you're listening to this already. So congrats. (laughs) (laughs) Powerful. Peyton Elroy, thank you. Absolutely. Thank you.